Hello everyone. So for the August edition of Inspire Her, we have with us two really special women who also share a really special bond. Amrita Gangotra and her daughter Dr. Ankita Gangotra. Amrita Ma'am is the founder of an India-based technology consultancy and advisory venture ITO Business Solutions. In her past, she has also been the CIO and the director of IT at Bharti Data Limited and the director of technology at Vodafone. Dr. Ankita is the postdoctoral fellow who holds a joint fellowship in the School of Foreign Service and the Department of Physics at Georgetown. She has done integrated masters in electronics and electronic engineering with nanotechnology and holds a PhD in physics. She has also been a policy intern at Office of Prime Minister's Chief Science Advisor in New Zealand. So, Amita Ma'am and Ankita, it's our absolute pleasure to have you here today. So, coming to the questions, Amrita ma'am, you have pursued a career in tech for almost 30 years now. So, during this period, you may have encountered a lot of changes. So, what are the biggest changing in I, changes in IT industry that you have observed throughout these years? See, one of the things that happens is technology moves very, very fast. 30 years is a long time for technology. When we started off, there was time when we used to use modems and line drivers on the infrastructure side. And today you have network of 4G and 5G coming in and also the cloud infrastructure. If you look at business applications also, you know, I mean, there were the mainframe days and the client server days, and now you have cloud applications and you have uh, all types of mobile app and web app. It's a very connected world. It never used to be like this 30 years ago when I started my career. It was very individualistic, uh, company-wise, people had to build all the infrastructure. In fact, India opened up its economy in 1991, and since then, uh, technology has been uh, doing leaps and bounds, has been uh, you know evolving very, very fast, and therefore the business models could evolve and could innovate a lot of things on the back of technology. Yeah, I do agree. Technology is changing like every day. We just have to keep the pace with it. Yeah, if you are in engineering or in uh, STEM subjects, that's why it is important that you keep up to date with the technology and keep moving with the technology. So, Ankita, you decided to pursue a career in STEM like your mother. So, do you think this choice was purely based on your passion for the field or it was a slightly biased decision? Uh, that's, that's an interesting question. Uh, so, when I was little, when I was growing up, I wanted to do anything that wasn't engineering. I wanted to become a journalist, I wanted to become a fighter pilot. And I think my dad saw it in me. He said, you should pursue engineering and I was like no you're only saying that because you're an engineer yourself and this is what Indian parents tell their kids so I, I ran away from it for most of my uh, life as, as a student but I realized that I was curious about the world uh, my, my favorite things to do while I used to play I, I'm an only child was to open this book I used to have um, 
of science experiments, which is really nerdy looking back now. But that, that was my favorite playtime activity. So I, I ran away from it, but my parents saw it in me uh, and, and advised that I should do it. And because I was rebellious, I said, no, I won't. And then I recognized that in myself. I recognized that I wanted to do engineering and I wanted to understand how the world works. And so it was almost an anti-bias that I had. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. So, Amitama, you began your journey as an entrepreneur after being in the corporate world for almost three decades. So, what made you take this step? Like, have you ever regretted not taking this change earlier? So, uh, frankly speaking, I don't think I'm. Uh, uh, I ever thought of myself as an entrepreneur. I was through and through, as you know, a, a corporate person uh, as such. Um, ours is a, quite an interesting story. Ankita went off to study and do her undergrad in engineering in the UK. And very soon I got an opportunity to work for Vodafone in um, UK. And so at least uh, we were there because uh, Ankita's dad, my husband didn't move actually. He has his own business in India, so he used to commute. And after a few years, then Ankita moved off to New Zealand to do her PhD after finishing her undergrad and master's in engineering in the UK. So it was three of us in three different continents. So I decided to come back and I was advised to try my hand on entrepreneurship. It's quite different actually trying to switch uh, roles in this fashion. No, I don't regret it because I have really thoroughly enjoyed myself in the last three years much better than my own expectations, I would say. And uh, if you look at my career, every eight to 10 years, I have been evolving myself, reinventing myself. And so this was another opportunity to learn, to jump into the deep end uh, of uh, new things, and then take that challenge on. Um, whether I would have done it earlier, uh, I don't know, because I would say that every opportunity that came my way, or I took it up and I then learned to, uh, you know, make it a success. Okay, so what advice would you give to the budding entrepreneurs? Like, should they gain some experience before going towards entrepreneurship or just start right away? I think everybody um, is pondering on this uh, question a lot when they are uh, studying what next and what should they do uh, you know I, there is no straight answer and it doesn't fit uh, the answer doesn't fit everybody uh, really it depends on the circumstances the need and and the wish that a person has frankly um, you know if you have to work uh, because you have to support a family or you really like to go into corporate then of course that, that the, that's a choice you can make now, if the entrepreneurship bug has bitten you, then uh, you need to really plan it out. Maybe you have an innovative idea. Maybe you have support from your family and therefore you have the money to start off. Uh, but I would say, personally, I think 
having a corporate experience uh, is extremely important to make a success out of any startup or any entrepreneurship venture that you would take mainly because you would then understand how large organizations or even mid-sized organization run it's not only about technology or innovation because when you're running a company or a startup there are many many other things there are processes there are different functions there is hiring process there are you know regulatory issues there are legal issues so you have to know that all of them together not to say that you know there aren't people who start off um becoming an entrepreneur from um the very beginning after just finishing their college and some they drop out of college like you see steve jobs and so on and so forth but there are few uh, of them only but mostly i would advise that you have a few years of corporate experience before you start off on your own venture yeah i do agree that like uh, one should like uh, those few years are really important like we just are stepping into the workflow so that few years are really important before starting the own yes can you at least understand in a holistic manner ankita you have a you have taken a very unconventional path like first you did integrate in masters and then pursued phd in physics and now you are doing policy making so what made you choose this path I mean there are two things I, I guess um a I've always been incredibly curious curious about how the world works uh asking a million questions since I was little I've been told about everything um and the other thing is I'm very easily bored so it's not like I set off saying right this is the weird circuitous path that I'm going to take towards where I am now uh it was basically just embracing whatever challenges came my way or embracing whatever opportunities came my way so i i did engineering but i chose to do a degree that offered um like training in nanotechnology as well because i knew that was at the forefront of science about 10 years ago it still is um from there i went on to pursue a phd uh in physics but i the running joke was that i was uh building an engineering tool for studying biological particles in a chemistry lab but in the department of physics so it was a very different sort of um you know uh research project that i was working on um and then from then on i i said yes research is great but but i need to explore what else research can offer to the world uh which is why i chose to do policy i wanted to understand um you know i'd, I'd been in industry by then uh through internships or I'd, i i i worked for a startup for a year and i've seen what academia has to offer of course but i wanted to see what science policy making looks like what our policy makers are doing um especially in the day and age of sort of science denial or pseudoscience um you know being quite prevalent i i wanted to see how the science decisions are made uh, at the government level and that's why i am where i am but maybe the next 5 years will look completely different for me so it's all about embracing whatever opportunity comes my way whatever is the weirdest opportunity that comes my way which is unconventional i i think i yeah what i was saying ananya is that the world has changed a lot when we started off there were just a couple of streams you know 
either you became a doctor or you became an engineer and then you did your MBA and then you did your corporate life. The important thing to understand in today's world is that if you did engineering, there are still so many, so many options available to you that you can do what you feel like and whatever is your passion. To like what you, to earn from what you like to do and what you have passion for, that is the most important thing. That is why, you know, there is not one fixed option of career today. There are so many options, just exploring that, being uh, able to know about those things. And the world is open out. I mean, uh, when we were there in our 80s and 90s, at that time, just to go outside India to study was a big deal. Whether it you talk about money or you talk about restrictions of even buying dollars or, you know, just getting a passport. I mean, uh, my first passport came after a year, uh, right? I mean, th that is not the situation today. So uh, this generation is very lucky that there are so many options. Yes, it does muddle up things because of that. Uh, it becomes difficult to choose, but getting the right coaching, understanding, reading and researching what you like and going deeper into that using your education is, is a great thing to do in today's world. Like, I totally agree to that. Okay, so, Amrita ma'am, as a student, I'm going through a phase, like, where I can't decide what I want to do further. Like, should I go for placements or just go for higher studies? So, I can't think of anyone more perfect than you to ask for advice for this, like, how to get out of this phase. Yeah, so continuing our uh, you know conversation before uh, from the earlier question, as I was saying, there are so many choices in today's times, right? And therefore, the, the one thing that you have to do is follow your passion. If you see what Ankita is doing is, uh, she's curious, she's following her passion, she's exploring, and therefore her career is not following a particular path, but she's doing what she likes. She's happy doing what she's liking, right? So sitting for a placement, if you don't want to, then don't do it. If you're just uh, there to go through the motions, then don't do it. If you have a passion for becoming an entrepreneur, then find ways of uh, finding investors, finding uh, you know um, uh, private equity people who can invest in your idea. Explore that world if that is what you want to do. So first and foremost, I believe that keep your passion at the center because of the options that you have today, you don't have to go into the grind of the nine to five. So, you know, do what your heart tells you, but work with your mind and be very, very passionate and hardworking about whatever you're doing. Yeah, it's like finding one thing you truly like to do. And just exploring what world has to what what world new the new things world has to give to us. Um, I would also very quickly add there that you don't have to decide today what you truly want to do for the rest of your life, right? You decide today what you want to do next, yeah. and then from there, because you learn and you grow as you do that next step. You don't have to decide today what you'll be doing for the next 
50 years, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that is an important point because, you know, you don't know after 10 years how things would be in this world, right? So taking the opportunity that is offered and that you like today, uh, take the risks, even if you like something and you feel it is risky, do take those risks, um, you know, uh, then only you will get the fruits of the success or the success of the risk that you have taken and you worked hard for. So uh, the next choice has to be based on what you really want to do and what are the, therefore, the offerings that are there on the table. Yeah. I left it to take that advice, ma'am. So Ankita, you have worked globally and were surrounded by various culture, cultures. So what are your takeaways on these diverse environments? And also, have you found any major difference in the position of women in tech in different countries? I would say strength comes from diversity. Uh, some of the best research outcomes are from places with the most diverse uh, working groups, right? Uh, I have enjoyed it most when I've had people of color, people um, uh, people of color or women or people from the LGBTQI plus communities working together, bringing the diverse backgrounds to whatever work we're doing. Homogenous working groups never help. Uh, and that is especially true in research, in fact, um, this has been proven, uh, people have published research on the fact that research outcomes improve when you have diverse working groups. So that's what I enjoyed most about working globally and overseas. I get to experience different cultures, I get to bring my own culture to the workplace. So it's been great. Um, and, and I definitely now, when I think about that next step, I look at what are the most diverse places I can go to, uh, where I can bring my expertise, but also that, that are diverse and are supportive of diverse communities. Um, and, and so that's a, big, that, that's a big factor in how I decide where I'll go next. Um, and as for women in tech, I, can, I think I'll, I'll comment on women in academia because that has been my background. Uh, and I will say that we we have a long way to go. Uh, yeah, there are different. Uh, there are of course more more women in academic positions in some countries more than others. But we have a long, long way to go. Uh, people of color and and women are majorly underrepresented as you go up the hierarchy at universities, all the way to the professoriate. Right. So it's a it's a problem. And it's a problem that we're constantly trying to fix. It's a problem that women always try and fix, but need support from their allies and, and from their male counterparts. Um, but yeah, that's what I would say. And you also worked in the Office of Prime Minister's Chief Service Advisor as, an, as a policy intern. So what experience you had there? What, what, was, what was it like working there? Yeah, so I worked at the Office of the Prime Minister's Chief, uh, Chief Science Advisor in New Zealand. Um, so my boss was Professor Juliet Gerard, who is uh, 
the Prime Minister of New Zealand's Chief Science Advisor, uh, Jacinda Ardern's Chief Science Advisor, and it was great. So I, I worked on a project looking at diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, in the science workforce around the world, but also looking at New Zealand and uh, looking at what we could do to, to improve the diversity of our science research and innovation workforce. So I got to work with people in Australia and the UK and Canada and the US to learn from what they're doing um, and try and ad adopt those policies within New Zealand, but also to share the policies that New Zealand has uh, when it comes to diversity in the workplace. So it was a great opportunity and, you know, I was only one degree of separation away from Jacinda Ardern, which is really, really cool. That's always going to be my uh, claim to fame, I think. Yeah, that must have been an enlightening experience. Yeah. So, Amrita Ma'am, you also have worked globally in the telecom industry for three decades. So, can you retail some of your insights you have gathered from this? See, when you work globally, as Ankita was saying, you come across diversity in terms of culture, in terms of people, in terms of, you know, how things happen in different countries. The way the working culture is in India, it's very different in the UK or in Europe or in US or New Zealand. So when you're moving globally, uh, you bring a lot of your own experience. But the most important thing is that you learn also a lot and you have to be uh, you have to keep your ears and eyes open so that you understand what are specifics to those countries what is okay to say and what is not okay to say culturally over there how do you do things in a particular uh, manner uh, in a particular country because uh, i will tell you when i went to the uk we had when i joined vodafone you know we had this um, uh, program where they would teach you things about the culture of UK or how the society is you know so we had a training program for that and there somebody told me that when you're giving a presentation if somebody says that it's interesting it doesn't necessarily mean that it is okay or it is good it could actually mean that it is pretty bad and awful Whereas in India, if you see, uh, it's interesting, it's nice, you know, I mean, people would take it in that sense. So you have to understand the body language, you have to understand the words, the, what do they mean and what, they, what is the underlining meaning of that. So when you move globally, it helps you open your uh, eyes and ears, it makes you learn, it lets you adopt and be flexible. Uh, you know, there are so many cultural things uh, that... Uh, you yourself become open and flexible, you become collaborative uh, and, and you don't mind taking risks or moving at very short notice. So those are the positives that, that come out of uh, doing a global role. sophomore when it comes to future aspirations most of my batchmates either want to sit for campus placements or go for their masters i've hardly came across anyone who wants to pursue research because of job stability issues and less wanting but ankita you took up research instead of going for the jobs in the corporate sector so what are your takeaways on this 
Yeah, um, I knew very early on that a corporate 9 to 5 was not for me. That was not going to be my life. Um, as, uh, and, and, but I wanted to pursue engineering. And beyond that, I wanted to learn how the world works and, and uh, try and ask some of the most difficult questions and try and answer them uh, when it comes to science and technology. Um, so, so that was that was my main aim, and I will say there uh, there was privilege involved, a uh, privilege involved, right? Um, my parents could support me to go overseas and do my undergraduate degree, which was an integrated masters, and from from then on, it was up to me. But privilege w was a big part of it, um, and and you don't get paid enough. Um, that's true. You have to learn to survive as a young baby academic. Um, so it, it's it was a some would call it a tough choice, but not really for me. Uh, there are problems with funding within academia uh, that are that are major challenges uh, to to people trying to stay, especially women who you know want to then start their families, or not just women. I would say men as well. So it's a uh, uh, it can be quite challenging and it's a precarious job, but it, it comes with its perks. Uh, it's not a normal nine to five. You are your own, basically your own boss. You get to ask questions that nobody has asked before and try and answer them. You uh, get to, well, before COVID, you get to travel the world uh, and meet people from around the world, collaborate with them and go to academic conferences and. Uh, depending on how this COVID situation evolves, I might be going to Glasgow for COP26, which is the world's biggest climate change conference, for example. So there are a lot of perks, um, but of course you can only embrace them if you are privileged, I would say. Um, so I will acknowledge that. But I will also say that, you know, my... Um, you say that a lot of people might not pursue it, but my research group here at Georgetown, so I'm in physics and also the School of Foreign Service, it's a joint position, but my research group in physics actually has three Indians, including me. So there's uh, one guy who grew up uh, in the US um, and did his PhD here, um, and he's part of our research group. There's this uh, lady who did all of her schooling, her education, and even her PhD from India, and she's there, and I'm, I guess, the, the person in the middle who did her school, schooling from India, but then pursued higher education overseas. So there are, it's not like uh, people in India aren't picking up on these opportunities. Um, it, it just just depends on how how you can open your mind and whether you can step out of your comfort zone a little, if if that's possible for you and yeah uh it's it's an exciting world uh, a corporate nine to five was never for me yeah that's totally depend on person to person if they want to pursue anything like really step out of their comfort zone comfort zone yeah and I, and, and I would also say that you know um i always wanted to do something for humanity or for the planet um, and, and that's what I'm doing, that's what lets me sleep at night, so um, yeah, it's yeah. the job seen as precarious, but I'm happy.
doing what I'm doing right now. Ah, that's great. So, do you have any closing thoughts and advice for our audience, like the majority of who will be starting as freshers in the different industries in a year? From my perspective, if you really look at it, yeah, yeah. So from my perspective, if I go first, is as I said, uh, follow your passion because if you don't do that, and if you do what the society is telling you and what uh, is the expectation all over with you, and you get pressurized in doing what you don't like, in ten years, fifteen years, it'll become a drudgery for you. you are not going to enjoy your job you will not get up from the bed on monday morning and like to go to work uh right so keep that in mind always pick on something that you like and love in fact and have passion for and everything else will actually fall in place if making money is really something that you want to do then find something that makes money but you like doing that then if it's about research and if it's about uh you know finding or exploring the world and money then shouldn't matter so you you have to be very clear on your parameters on what you want to do and what you like and then build your career around that not the other way around not because 90% or 95% of the people are doing sitting for placement or are doing their mba or doing the or joining a high paying job and so on and so forth So that's my only advice really throughout your life you will be really happy if you follow your passion and what you like there are so many options in today's world yeah that's a really good advice it would be really helpful for all the freshers who are doing it <laughs> i think my mother stole my thunder because that that's pretty much what i was going to say that success and money are one thing but you you really want to follow your happiness you want to be able to wake up every day and go to work five days out of out of the seven you're going to be at work maybe it'll be four days in the future but you want to be able to get up in the morning and whether and that is my definition of success right are you happy doing what you're doing right now do you want to go to work um and so i would say that and of course um my other big advice would be do not follow the status quo make your own path it's all cliched stuff i know but uh forge your own path don't take no for an answer even if you think that that it's an odd path that does something like that try and follow it see see what happens there if it's something that interests you try and try and go there go down that path um and the last thing i would say is when there are various options in life try and choose the path where you think you have the most regret although it's risky so one example is i was faced with either joining the bank of america as a technology analyst or moving to the other side of the world and becoming um a researcher and pursuing a field in physics that my mother said if you wanted to move any further away from us you'd move to the moon <laughs> uh but um you know but i wanted to choose the option where i'd have the least regret and 
Yeah, and, and then I like to say that when she got chose this option, she did also get through Oxford, and then that's the choice she took to say that I will continue with the choice I made. So those are the things yeah. in life that matters, you know, and there, then your life revolves around and gets created around that. When I joined the telecom industry in 2002, I had no idea what I was getting into. I had. Uh, I didn't even understand what telecom was but I took the plunge and then it was a roller coaster ride because that was the golden era for telecom in India where we had uh, you know every uh, month we were adding 10 million customers which meant the technology pressures were extremely high but we were working as a team and we were really enjoying ourselves building a corporation that has become very well known all all over the world Bharti Airtel no so those are the things that you have to take with both hands when opportunities come your way. Yeah, and I guess I would also say that um, that your that your support network needs to be strong. You can't just take those decisions by yourself. Often you're unable to. That's why you lean on your family, on your parents. Let's say I, I lean on my parents, my husband now. um they were the ones who said no you need to go out there and do that they said move to new zealand they said yes absolutely you have to go to china and do this often and in fact most importantly we need to lean on those uh that are closest to us and we also need to be supportive of each other right uh, there are any parents listening out there please be supportive of your children basically it means that you know don't shy away from taking uh, coaching or getting mentored that's one second is that network uh, you know get to know more and more people people are more on facebook and instagram and they make friends but there's linkedin where you know you can get so much more knowledge about the careers about the options build a network which will uh, sort of be able to help you out when you are looking for options etc my entrepreneur uh, journey has started with the fact that i have a huge network and people have been extremely supportive of whatever i'm doing and are more than happy to reach out and help in those so networking and having a good strong network is the is the other advice we would give yeah ma'am it was some really great advice it was an absolute delight to have you feature on our podcast i for sure have learned a lot from this and i hope our audience feel similarly so it was a really great pleasure to have you both thank you thank you very much Thank you so much for having us.